I just try to make it as engaging, you know, polls or funny things or, you know, you write in like what you're thinking about, what I've posted, just ways for people to simply get into the DMs, you know, simply engage with me because, again, by me reaching out and making them commit to something, no one wants to do that. But if it's on their own time and they feel comfortable and after kind of engaging back and forth a little bit, then they feel comfortable saying the whole spiel of like, okay, well, I'm in a rent, I'm renting right now, but you know, whatever. So I felt like just by being like genuine, posting the things that I'm already doing, posting things that I think are funny or that are part of the industry, and then just kind of engaging with people. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Belle Tunstall, and she is from the Redux Group doing tons of transactions. I know many of us right now are kind of facing the changing markets across the country. Maybe production volume is down. Belle has got a ton of transaction volume going on, mainly a lot of through the social media that she does. We're going to get into a real estate story today, as well as her production volume. So, Belle, thank you so much for joining us. And tell us, like, what was it that got you into real estate? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to just chat through this and my story, my experience, and you know my journey. Um, so to, to sum it up quickly, um, Chris Craddock, who owns our team, he kind of sought me out uh, when I was a senior in college, and I had already applied to a job at the university that I felt pretty confident that I was going to get. And so I, you know, again, Chris, he's a family friend. I, I've known him for years, so I went into the office. Again, had no idea really anything about real estate. I think a lot of people get into it because their mom or grandma or uncle, brother, whoever, they, they have had a team for years, you know, all these things. And also, you know, this was like 2015, um, you know, real estate wasn't as mainstream, I feel like, as it is now, you know, selling Sunset, all those things. So, you know, when he first reached out, I'm like, real estate, that's so random. I feel like, you know, older people do that. You know, I was like 22 at the time. And so he was like, oh, like you're just putting off the real world for a year, you know, taking this job at the university. I'm like, I know, and it'll be fun. So um, it was like soft sales. I was just like, a, you know, working in admission, interviewing prospective students, et cetera. Um, easy to sell. I, you know, loved my school. And so, but, you know, kind of found myself in the same position about a year later because uh, it was just a year long position. And so kind of got reconnected with Chris and you know, he used all the sale tactics that I use now, kept me on the phone, um, set the appointment so we could talk later about it and basically got off the phone. And I was like, I guess I'm going to study for my test and get licensed. Like this feels so random. Um, at the time, none of my friends, you know, none of my friends were doing it. Um, were you aware and- he was doing these sales techniques on you at the time? Like, no, I mean, fortune in the follow-up, right? I mean, he called me all year long, but every time I saw his name, I was like, know why he's calling. I'm not doing real estate. That's so random. I'm going to do like some other sales job or whatever. And I was getting offers, but the environment and just, I was like, this is not a good fit. But again, knowing Chris and I played, you know, sports my whole life. I'm so competitive. I love people meeting new people. So, you know, there was some pulling on the heartstrings where I'm like, all right, he really, he knows me. He knows my family, you know, this, he feels like it's a good fit. And so far I don't really have anything else going on. So I'll, you know, I'll go after this, but yeah, I had no idea. I, I dove right in. I was 22. I didn't own a house. I've never bought a house. So, and here I am, you know, trying to help other people through it. So yeah, I got licensed in August of 2016 and, um, really been like running ever since. And so it's been cool. Like our team's grown a lot as well. So just kind of being a part of that growth and, um, 
and yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, hindsight, I'm really happy I got in when I did. I felt like I was able to get in very important reps, you know, those first couple of years to really take advantage of, you know, 2020 market until probably about now, just the explosion that we saw with that. Did he have conversations with you early on or at all about what he saw in you and why he was so persistent with the follow-up? Oh yeah. I mean, he loves to tell this story and I blush because it's like, I didn't really know at the time, but you know, he, he sat me down. There was uh, another guy on his team who I knew as well as a family friend. And they were like, you know, real estate, a big part of real estate is connections and who, you know, like your sphere and all this stuff. And they were like, you know, how many people do you, do you think, you know, like how many people do you think you could call right now and just have a conversation about real estate? And I was like, Oh, like, you know, 50 maybe. And they were like, oh my gosh, you know, you have thousands of friends on like social media. And if you, you make a post, you get like 300 likes, like, come on, like get real, you know, way more people. So I think, you know, over the years, he just knew that, you know, I, I'm very social, very extroverted. I love, um, meeting new people and cultivating those relationships, staying in touch with people, um, building rapport quickly, um, just kind of staying curious as well of, you know, trying to build that rapport, you know, build the relationship and then just maintaining it over the years. I think, so I started in 2016. I think by 2018, I had been in like 12 weddings. So it was like, I, you know, I just had a lot of, um, contacts and the school I went to is like more Southern Virginia area. So a lot of my contacts are kind of Richmond, Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland, some North Carolina, but just being able to kind of tap into that. So I think they just saw that I'm so competitive and, you know, love meeting new people, love conversing. So it was sort of like, all right, someone who's not afraid to pick up the phone, someone who's not afraid to meet new people and somebody who's so competitive and very moldable, you know, coachable. So I think they saw a bright future in it. Yeah. And well connected. So, so you, you make the the, the leap, you know, you get into real estate, like what was your first year? Like, how did it go? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I also remember as I was, um, so my first job, it was, I was 20, 22 when I started and I remember my job had like some insurance. So obviously you can be on your parents' insurance till 26. And so I remember telling my dad like, Oh, okay, well, you know, cause he was basically like, okay, you know, get on your school's insurance. And I was like, well, what about afterwards? You know, like I'll come back on. And my dad's like, no, you get a job and you get, you get insurance. So, you know, I don't think he was too pleased when I told him that I was doing real estate. Um, my dad actually had been a mortgage lender for many years and then, you know, he got out of it. So I think he just knew how cutthroat it is, you know, hundred percent commission. I had student loans, like all these things. And so he was like, what in the world? So I kind of had like, you know, sort of a chip on my shoulder. Like I felt like I really needed to prove myself. Um, and like rebrand myself too. Like I moved back home and, you know, everybody knew me as the, the girl on their daughter's sports team or would come over and eat all the pizza or, you know, it was like they not to sell their million dollar house. Right. That's like their retirement. So I had to really like, like get in on my training and, uh, yeah. So that first year was rough. I mean, I think, I think a big question I get all the time is just like, Oh, well, you know, you've had success. You're still on the team. Like that's kind of weird. Most people you know, leave the team after a couple years or whatever. But when I got started, I think including rentals, I closed maybe 13 deals, but two were my sphere. And one was like family and I was second choice. So they didn't even come to me first. They like <laughs> had a stale listing and then, oh, great. Now, now I can come save the day. Yeah. Um, and then my other like best friend I knew from kindergarten. Other than that, all the other leads like came from the team. And so 
you know, we can get into that later, but I, I've just found so much value in the team that it's just worth it. So, but yeah, that first year was rough. I mean, honestly, the first maybe two and a half years, I, I didn't have a steady income. There was at one point where I sold my first like million dollar listing and, or sorry, uh, my buyers purchased their first, my first million dollar sale. And I used that cash. My car at the time was in like car hospice. You know, I'm like driving around and it's like changing gears and I'm like rolling through stop signs. I'm like, you know, clients are riding in my car. And the moment they like kind of look at it, they're like, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, oh, I'm in my first year. You know, it's been like a month. Um, So just feeling very insecure about everything. So with that money, I was able to buy kind of my next car cash. And then I had a little bit left over that I kind of had a drought. Like that was maybe, I don't know, December. And then I don't think I had like a, a rental in the middle. And then I don't think I had another closing until the spring. So I was like going through my savings. And, but again, like I just, I just felt like I had something to prove. I felt like a lot of my friends were like, oh, like how long do you think you're going to do this little thing? And I'm like, this is my career, you know, but it really had to come from me. I, I felt like, you know, I don't really come from money. I live in a very wealthy area, but my parents split when I was five. My mom, you know, at one point was working three jobs before, you know, creating her own business. My dad was a mortgage lender for many years and then my grandfather became sick. So my dad started to take care of him full time. So my like relationship with money and everything has always been kind of altered because I'm, you know, some people think of money and they see like immediate opportunity and, you know, there's all these things. And for me, I'm like, money is bad and money is stressful and there's never enough. And so that's, you know, we can also get into that later, but that's always been kind of a narrative I've been fighting. But I think for me, it was like kind of do or die. Right. And I felt, I still felt like I had everything to prove. I sort of felt like no one really believed in me, but my team did. And I had great training. And so I think having that consistency every day of showing up to the office, um, nine to five, trying to set appointments, uh, going through my scripts, calling cold leads, calling, you know, uh, sign calls, barely, you know, barely qualifying anybody over the phone, but I'm going to drive to Manassas, which is, you know, 30 some miles from my office just to meet one person who has a 400 credit score and shame on me because I didn't ask the questions, but I was just hungry. And I was like, I feel like I can succeed in this and it's got to come from me. Like, I'm not going to be spoon fed. Like no one's going to hand it to me. So just seeing my my steady growth over the years. But then again, it really popped um, probably about 2020. But that just came from, you know, what is it, bamboo that's like growing seven years underground and then it like, you know, breaks ground. So it was kind of that, you know, I was, I was putting in the time, having small victories. But I think when it really counted, I just was needing people to who were like well qualified and everything. And I had all the, you know, all the skills at the time it counted. So I want to dive into your perspective as an agent on a team, because I think we can, what we can do is we can unpack the element of what did they do so well that allowed you to one succeed, but then still want to be there when you're doing 70, 80 transactions a year. Um, and then also yeah. we can get it from your perspective of the journey along the way and the struggle points that you're kind of mentioning. So, so tell us a little bit about like when you're in this struggle, what were the expectations of the team? Like, did you have to show up a certain number of days or you're off the team? Like what was the lead flow that they had coming in? What was the expectations? Yeah. So um, when I started, we were with Keller Williams. And so I know Gary Keller says like 10 contacts a day, like that's what you need to do. And so our team was 20 contacts a day. Um, and so, and, you know, at the time, I think we were using like Boomtown and we had different things like just to help with our leads and keep them organized. And so every day and since 2016, since, you know, even before that, when the team 
started, we have, we call it like a morning huddle. So nine to nine 30. And I think back when we were in person, it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and then in COVID it just, you know, when we were really just doing zooms it's, and it still is today, Monday to Friday. Um, so having that daily huddle, that daily training, we were doing like script practice. We were going over like wins, um, you know, on Tuesdays, our, our training's a little bit longer because we go over like lessons learned, you know, an agent spotlight, or, you know, if you want to like praise or shout somebody out. And we also read like a book of the month. So there was just so much structure. And I feel like if you're coming over to this industry, again, for me, I mean, it's not like I had been in, you know, some other journey for years. And here I am now starting this job. It really was kind of my first like real career, career, real job. Um, but again, like you need structure. So I felt like to like line up my day where it's like, okay, I have this training and then I'm going to, uh, prospect and then, you know, short lunch and then follow up and then time for appointments or inspections or whatever. Um, the structure was just so important because again, I mean, what is it like 13%, maybe even less, make it more than five years. So I was like, I am, you know, I like the turnover rates crazy. I, when I was kind of onboarding with the team, there was, I think six of us and by six months, half were gone. And by a year it was just me. So, I mean, it was like, or maybe two of us, but it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like people just kind of fall out. And I think without structure, um, without just kind of being all in, because again, you know, if, if you're getting paid hourly or sal you know, salary or whatever, you could go in, kind of kick it, whatever, leave, kind of go in, maybe you're a little sick and you're still getting paid, but it's like, I'm not getting paid until this deal closes. I don't even have a deal. I don't even have a client. I don't even have a contract, you know? So it's like for every day, you're not ratifying something 30 days, 25 days, you're not getting paid. So having, you have to have a, a part of, you know, self-motivation, but then you have the team, you know, kind of over the years um, that I found is just that, you know, real estate is so up and down and having like a foundation, having a team, they sort of help you through the highs and the lows. They celebrate you, with you. They'll cry with you, you know, all the things. And so I remember, you know, I, I think when I closed 72 deals in 2020 and I had a handful of people that were kind of like, oh, like, would you ever consider and this and that? And I never really thought about it, but it solidified it for me because I went from closing 72. And then in the first quarter, first quarter of 2021, I closed one rental, one sphere client in January and February. And I think in March, I then had a couple pending, but I, I mean, and the team was kind of, we have a, we have a couple ISAs. So it's like, of course I have my sphere and now I'm at a point where I have a lot of repeat clients and referrals, but when you're starting out and you have like no network, especially if you're, you know, starting in a place you don't really have connections, you're not from. Um, so that was just, I mean, many other reasons too, but for me, I was like, Oh my gosh. And the market totally shifted in 21. I mean, that was when things were going in our area, sight unseen, incoming soon, 120K over ask. I mean, it was just like people are waving the appraisal. I mean, so had I left the team or whatever, it was like I was not prepared. I would have no, you know, kind of like real connections. So, anyways, I just think the market is always shifting as we've learned and seen. And I think, you know, being able to have such a solid, team for support to just help you through the ups and downs and the unknowns. Um, I mean, whoever saw a global pandemic coming, you know, I think for the first time I was like, finally, an even playing field. 100%. Like there's no, there's no advantage across the country. Like here I am at the time, I don't even know how old I was, whatever, 26, 27. 
And I don't care that you've been doing it 35 years. We are both in this boat together. And, you know, now it was an even playing field. Like if you were going to sink, you're going to sink, float, you're going to float. Like I was so excited to just like get after it and have no excuses um, and just like perform the best that I could in those circumstances. But again, having the support of the team the whole way through as well. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So let's talk about, so you get going, you're making your 20 contacts a day. How did you go from that to 80 transactions a year? Yeah. So it's so funny. I talk about this with people on my team too. I really, my like incremental growth was slower and it's cool to see the team now because now it's like the learning curve has been so sliced. You know, I think when I started, it was like, oh, it's good to get your first deal within the first six months. And to the day I closed my first deal six months later, but now it's like people join our team and within a month, you know, they've like got something pending. I'm like, what the heck? Like, this is crazy. But um, I think for me, it was just that growth of, okay, I'm learning my scripts. Now I have them down. And now you're answering the phone and you're throwing objections at me. And now I need to know how to handle them. Now I need to know how to qualify you to get you to the appointment, to meet you in person, to get you to talk to the lender beforehand. You know, now we're meeting in person. I need to go through our whole buyer agreement together. I need to get you to sign the contract. Okay. Now I'm getting everybody to sign, but they're not closing. Like what's happening. Um, so then learning how to like, I mean, it was just so incremental. Um, so I think just through learning all those steps and really just refining my craft of knowing how to go through the buyer agreement, knowing when they ask about commission or other things, it always kind of trips people up, like how to handle those objections. And then, you know, okay, you've signed a client and now you got to learn how to show homes and not 50, but show like five and, um, you know, avoid buyer fatigue and just help them through the process, help them like really know the process and know the pitfalls because you don't want to be blindsided. That doesn't make you look good. doesn't make the buyers feel good. And you might not get that five-star review. So really advocating for them, explaining the whole process. And then next, guess what? I have to learn how to like really negotiate with the other agent. So for me, it was just like learning these steps, but it's all abstract if you're just starting out and you don't have clients and you don't have leads. So in that first year or two, I mean, I was hosting anywhere from four to six open houses a month. Um, just again, going through the motions, learning the scripts, following up with people. Um, 
and then, yeah, continuing to follow up with them. I was actually on our training today. I was telling a story about this girl who I met in open house. I followed up with her for like six months. She never answered. And I finally like texted her and then she texted back. And then a year later I helped her um, and her significant other at the time by, well, a year later, she referred me her brother and his fiance. They also referred to buy, they referred me her parents to sell. And now unfortunately this client of mine, she's splitting with her significant other, but I'm going to sell their house and help them both buy. So it's like, this all came from an open house, but guess what? That was like seven years ago. Right. So just, yeah. So fortune, the follow-up and just some of those slow burner things. But anyways, to go back to your question, we kind of had a mini purge on the team. Like a lot of people kind of left. And so that, that, you know, made some room for a lot of leads that were up for grabs. Also, Chris, my boss had a little bit more extra time kind of on his hands and I was in the office all the time. So there was a few of us who just got so many reps. Um, he kind of took me under his wing kind of as like a unofficial showing partner. So I was getting cuts of all his deals. Um, but you know, from that, I was able to post so much on Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever. So then that really helped my like rebranding because maybe I was only closing two deals a month or whatever, but I go to my friend's parents' house and they're like, you're killing it. Every time I get on Facebook, it's you sold another house. And I'm thinking like, I don't really close anything in a while, but so I think that just getting like showing up consistently hundred percent and then just kind of getting the reps uh, from my team, you know, was what really helped me go from, you know, 13 to 80. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that you mentioned, I think is really powerful. is like the general audience doesn't understand the difference between a showing and a closing or, or any of those types of things. So it's generally like any real estate activity that you post the vast majority of your audience thinks that's a home that you've already sold or it's a home you're about to sell. And so it's really amazing how much credibility you can get by posting. So in your social media strategy, what have you found to be the the posts for you that get the most traction that do the best? Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, when you really break it down and just how crazy Instagram's gotten over the years, you know, with people who are influencers and all this stuff, but it's like, when you really break it down, it's like, even look at yourself, like, why do I follow this person, that person, this person? Oh, I like the way they cook or they do, you know, workout videos or I love her home decor or, you know, or he's funny, like whatever. So we follow people because we like their content and they're posting things that they like. So for me, I, you know, 2020, 2021, it was, I was so busy working all the time and it was kind of low. I mean, that was part of that was before I got a showing partner. So a lot of it was like lonely, right? Like I'm on the side of the highway, hot spotting writing up a contract. And so it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, I'm already doing these things. I'm just going to post about it, like on my story or my feed, you know, things that I'm seeing. I'll just post about that too. So what I, you know, when I'm touring a house or my listing, if, if I think something's beautiful, I'll post about it. If I think something is quirky and weird, I'll post about that, you know, a funny story, like weird things. I just post about it. And I think people connect with that. And then so much so that when I see people in person, they'll like refer to stories or things that I've shared so as like cheesy and corny of like be real like you know just be yourself but like really though because i feel like if if i got on there and i'm just like hey guys like kind of turn on this other persona people are gonna see it as phony and fake and in turn i don't really like posting that either so i think i know video is huge i haven't really gotten into it i you know first of all i just don't really have time to like kind of i don't know do all the taking and editing and all the stuff. Um, but you know, last year I closed, uh, 65 and I think, you know, I don't know, over 30, I know were from like Instagram, which is, I mean, or no, I'm sorry, the year before I closed 80 and like 
33 or 35 came from Instagram. And again, I'm like, I don't post reels. So there's hope for you out there. If you're like not comfortable dancing in a listing, you know, to a trendy sound, um, I, there's just other ways to kind of lean into that. So as you started just posting your daily things that you were doing, what sort of traction were you getting? Like, did you see a huge surge in followers? Did you see a huge surge in message requests? What sort of, what did that do for you? I think, you know, again, it, it just, I sort of felt like the more I'm just posting about what I'm doing. And I look at my generation where, you know, I, I was born and grew up in the nineties. And so, you know, the landline and there, I, I knew life before a cell phone for a little while and beepers. So, you know, we had dial up, we had, um, you know, then it was like the home phone. You had to go through your friend's parents to talk to your friend. Um, then, you know, Facebook, oh, MySpace, we don't even need to get into that, but Facebook wall to wall. And like, so over time, it's like, everything's just gotten quicker and quicker. Um, but we're so not committal, right? Like, I, I don't want to give you my email. I don't want to give you my number. Like, I just want what is very convenient. And so I just sort of figured out like nobody, you know, no one wants me to just go immediately for like their phone number. They would, I found that so many people were way more comfortable just like DMing me, right? Or, you know, they would follow me and I'll just follow back. And then they're starting to kind of engage with some of the stories or things I post. And then next thing, you know, like just like a simple equation, give it a week or two, maybe a month and then boom. Oh, this, you know, because if I'm doing showings, I'm always putting the location where I am. Oh, I didn't know you, you sell here. Yeah, we're thinking, we're considering or, hey, like, you know, like if you're starting, if you're new, it's like you're dreaming of like the text or the DM that's like, if you have time, like, can you take on a new client? And it's like, oh my God, what do I have a waiting list? Like, of course I'll, you know, I'll help. So I just try to make it as engaging, you know, polls or funny things, or, you know, you write in like what you're thinking about what I've posted, just ways for people to simply get into the DMs, you know, simply engage with me because again, by me reaching out and making them commit to something, no one wants to do that. But if it's on their own time and they feel comfortable and after kind of engaging back and forth a little bit, then they feel comfortable saying the whole spiel of like, okay, well, I'm in a rent, I'm renting right now, but you know, whatever. So I felt like just by being like genuine, posting the things that I'm already doing, posting things that I think are funny or that are part of the industry, and then just kind of engaging with people, you know. So you're, at your production level, you kind of mentioned it. People are saying, why, why aren't you leaving the team, right? I'm very, like, it's very cool to see that you have, like, a team-first mindset because, like, not only, I think, is that good for the team, but I think a lot of times it's good for the agent, right? I mean, like, it allows you truly to focus on what you're best at. And a lot of times agents, I think, leave teams and they actually end up making less money when they leave. What, yeah. do, you what do you think is important for team leaders to provide mm -hmm. to their team members to be able to keep people at really high production levels? Yeah. I mean, so when I was having that crazy year, my first year of like, oh my gosh, I like was in tears at one point and I called, you know, our CFO and CEO, I like had them on the phone and I was like, I don't even want any more clients. I think I had 18 pending at one time. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't do this. And I'm still getting like more leads and things. And yeah, I was like in tears. And at the time we had, you know, some of our either VAs or back office, they would stay until, or it was like, you know, nine to five, we would have back office help writing contracts or, you know, buyer selling listing, listing agreements, like, et cetera. Um, so I would have to kind of like, if I was headed out to do showings at 6 PM and I'm showing five homes, I'd kind of be like, all right, which one do I think they'll probably write on and I'll just submit and they can write it. So then I have the bones, but then guess what? I got it wrong. They want to write on something else. And now there's a deadline and I'm driving an hour home. So I just got to the point where I was like, I, 
I'm getting home every night at like 8.45. Then I have to write two offers. Like I'm eating dinner at like 11 if I even get it at all. So immediately I had like, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, can we have it so that these VAs and, you know, somebody is kind of on call until maybe like seven or something like into the evening. And I just like this sort of story is so special to me because I think of some of my other friends, maybe at other companies. And it's like, how often can you just call up the CEO or whatever and be like, hey, here's a problem. Can you change it? And within... 48 hours, it is like in place changed and still is like that to this day. So they heard me, I had an issue. And truly that was on like a Tuesday. And by Thursday, we had somebody every weeknight and on weekends. So I found like, I've just found so much value in the team hearing us out, hearing problems, finding solutions. Um, The way we've just evolved over the years um, has been incredible. So I just, I see the value in, it helps me grow. Again, I reached a point where I was like, okay, cool. In a shutdown world, I did 72 deals and I can never do more because I will now have bachelorettes and weddings and parties and, you know, that will start to come back again. And so within that year, you know, we interviewed and hired a a showing partner for me. And then I was able to do like 80 deals. And so just, you know, as you are like succeeding and stuff, because if I'm on my own, I mean, I am, I'm the listing coordinator, transaction coordinator. I am the run runner guy, you know, putting lock boxes. Um, like how could I ever take a vacation? So having so much leverage, um, on the team as well, is just so important and like quality of life, you know? So I feel like if you're solo and don't really have help, you know, if you go on vacation, your business goes on vacation. So it's been so nice being, you know, in a national park out West with no service. And, you know, I've got two contracts ratifying while I'm gone. Incredible. So now with all the success, you've turned your sights a little bit towards investing. Obviously you're still mostly agent focused, but tell us about your, your investing journey. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been short. I'm like just kind of now starting. Um, like I mentioned, um, you know, when I got into real estate, I had student loans. I needed to like buy a car, you know, eventually buy a house, all these things. But I mean, when I really, you know, kind of deep, you know, dig into my childhood, I felt like, you know, by the age of six, in all honesty, you know, especially if I look back at all my little buddies and like what I'd write out of like my aspirations, you know, um, I really just like at a young age, I struggled, you know, so bad in school. I was so bad at school. And, you know, again, being a student in the 90s, early 2000s, it's like that was all standardized tests. You were doomed, you know, if you weren't in the gifted and talented program, you know, what a name. Okay, great. I'm not gifted or talented. So what am I? I'm a failure. But um, so I'm not exaggerating. At a young age, I wrote off my whole life. I was like, you know, I'm pretty good with people and I'm funny and I'm good at sports. So like, we'll see where that takes me, you know, and I'll just try to seize, get degrees, you know, I'll just see what I can do. (laughs) So, I mean, I just kind of rode that wave, you know, as long as I could. Again, played a sport in college that, you know, that that kind of got me into that university. And, um, you know, thankfully I had a lot of just like academic support and help and I was able to like succeed. But I mean, those are like your, the years that you're like forming your identity and who you are. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to get married. My husband will pay off my loans because he probably won't have any, like he'll buy my dream car. We'll buy a house together. Like I'll be, you know, maybe stay at home mom, or I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll work out all the time. You know, I just was like, I literally, and I remember, and I basically believed that until almost like 25, like in all honesty. And then, you know, things like shifted and I just was like, what am I thinking? Like I can do this. So as like cheesy as it is, but you know, I paid off my own loans and then, you know, I bought that first car. And then this past summer I 
actually was able to buy kind of my dream car that I, you know, love so much. And then in 2020, I, you know, found my own off-market deal, bought my own house. I was able to like finagle. I had the seller. I represented the seller to buy it or to sell it to me, which yeah. I represented myself to buy it. So was able to like prepay like fees and all these things. And then, you know, earlier or first quarter this year, I bought my first investment property. But again, it's kind of that rich dad, poor dad mentality where it's like, I just, you know, I just grew up in an environment and I still, you know, kind of am in an environment where it's like, you know, both my parents never remarried. And I feel like I, you know, probably like a lot of people nowadays, but I also worry sometimes about them financially and like their retirement, what they're going to do. But it's, again, just having this view of money forever, decades, um, where I'm like, money's bad and it's stressful and there's never enough. Whereas, you know, I've now kind of surrounded myself with people where it's like, no, money is like, it's opportunity. Like you work hard for it, you save it, you invest it, like repeat. And and I feel bad because some of my people, like the people that I have like accountability meetings with weekly, they're like, Belle, like, you know, I, I'm constantly going back to that like elementary school mindset where I'm like, even though I have like a good amount saved where I need to invest it, I'm just like, okay, but no, I, I need to store all this. Like I need to have all this cash like handy in case something like goes bad. So it's just been kind of a, like, that's what I've like, you know, been working on and, and also just realizing like, oh my gosh, like kind of taking a step back and looking at my life and how it's at such a young age, I wrote myself off entirely. And, you know, I hope it's encouraging for some people where it's just like, I mean, wherever you are in life, whether you're, you know, just left like teaching or something, and now you're jumping into your dream career or whatever, but even if it's been your whole life that you've like believed this narrative or, 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 you know, put yourself in this tiny box, this tiny identity, it's like truly like there can be so much more out there, but also truly you have to surround yourself with people who are doing better than you and succeeding in areas that you want to succeed. Um, because, you know, we're all kind of the average of what is it like about five people that we sort of surround ourselves with. So, you know, not really having that in my immediate family, um, I've had to kind of go outside of that and surround myself with other people who are just like totally killing it and blowing it out of the water. And it's just been really cool. Like kind of seeing my, my own self kind of cut that learning curve, you know, in the last few years and just sort of set myself up in a position that I just never ever thought possible, like truly never thought possible. So, you know, that's been amazing. So. Awesome. Well, Belle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. Like, I just love the stories that you share about the limiting beliefs, right. That come with your childhood and how you're knocking those mm -hmm. out. Um, I, I love obviously the idea that you've been with this team for so long that you've been able to grow and scale with them. And, you know, we see so many examples and so many people pushing people to get out instead of just building these deep relationships and really, you know, getting some traction. So guys, if you're out there listening, write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 